This is the World Bank's Infrastructure Podcast. Today's discussion focuses on the role of battery storage in meeting the global climate challenge. Let me start with an example of how this might work. Only about one-third of Haitian households have some access to electricity. The main provider is the national utility, which is struggling to supply even urban households with at least eight hours of electricity a day. Historically, the electricity grids have been powered by diesel, which is expensive and polluting. Yet today, when the sun sets on the Port-au-Prince, Haiti, lights blink on at the Champ de Mar Plaza, where 350 solar panels cover the roofs of buildings around the area. Children play football. Locals and visitors take evening walks. This glowing area stands like an oasis on an island ravaged by natural disaster and poverty. Let's find out how this came about. Good morning and welcome. I'm Rumin Islam, the host of Tell Me How, and today I have as my guest Chandra Govindra Rajlu, expert in energy, who will speak to us about battery storage and its role in the energy transition. Welcome, Chandra. Thank you, Rumin. It's my pleasure to be discussing this interesting topic today with you. It's lovely to have you here. So, Chandra, let me begin by asking you about the fast-rising capacity of solar and wind sources of energy. Are we ready today to let renewables be our main source of energy? Uh, Yes, I would say we are getting ready for renewables to be our main source of energy. Hydropower is the largest source of renewable electricity today, but the main driver of growth is solar. We have seen massive drops in cost of wind and solar energy, like 82% in the case of solar and 40% in the case of wind since 2020. These solar projects are offering some of the lowest cost electricity ever seen by us so far. I would never have guessed that the drops in cost were were that large. It's amazing. But what is driving this phenomenal decrease in the cost of solar and wind energy? So these cost reductions are due to a number of factors. Improved technology of solar cells, economies of scale by doing larger projects, supply chain competitiveness in the manufacturing sector, and also the growing experience of the developers who build these projects. Currently, large-scale solar can compete well with coal or gas generation during daytime hours in most parts of the world. I see. So, Chandra, if renewables are so cheap, and what you're saying, they're possibly the cheapest source of energy for many countries, why would any countries bother with gas and coal at all? That's because wind and solar power output is variable and uncertain, as one can imagine. For example, output of a solar PV changes in seconds when a cloud passes by. Wind also changes its power and you know du- direction. So that's the issue. They vary a lot. Yeah. And, and I guess there are some parts of the world where you get very few hours of sunshine, especially during the winter. So I, I guess then you need stability in supply. Otherwise, you know, you'd have flickering lights, televisions turning on and off. So that's the main that's the main issue right now, right? Uh, that's right. I mean, for a stable operation of the grid, the power system need to match electricity supply and demand at every instant. And the conventional 
power systems are already designed to accommodate changes in electricity demand during day and seasons. So in many countries, coal and gas power plants are providing this flexibility and therefore are needed. So given that the daily variability in sunshine and wind and sometimes just, I guess, the total availability of it, I assume uh, storage capacity um, or at least linking renewables with alternative sources of energy, this is very important to to the energy transition. Would you say, though, that battery storage is the main constraint to a further acceleration in the use of renewables? Yes, I would say it's the one of the main constraints. Uh, energy storage is essential for providing the continuity in of renewable energy to the grid and therefore to bring large amounts of renewable energy, less wind and solar, you need that. But, you know, we have hydropower as a large source of renewable energy. So where does hydropower fit into all of this? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, it is hydropower is the dominant energy storage technology today. I think over 80% of the storage capacity in the world is due to hydropower. However, there are limitations. The main limitation is location specific. You can't do hydros everywhere. And also they take a few years to build. Yes, from what I know of um, of these things, hydropower plants take a very long time to build. It's a very complex thing. But then I guess it's important, Chandra, to, to know how fast battery costs, uh, battery production costs are falling. Can you think of cases, say, in the last five years where uh, it's become commercially viable to use battery storage because costs have fallen so much? Yeah, the price of lithium-ion battery packs have been falling by over, have fallen by over 85% in the last uh, 10 years or so. And this has been driven mostly by uh, growth in the battery production for the electric vehicles market. But these cost reductions have made renewable energy commercially viable in some contexts, like the Pacific Islands, for example. So so these are some important figures. I mean, first you told me that there was an 80% reduction in the cost of uh, production of solar and a 40% in wind energy. And now you're telling me there's an uh, almost 90% decline in the cost of, of, of battery packs. So these are very complementary technological advances. Um, very nice, very nice to know about. So things are changing very fast. Can you give me some other advantages of battery storage that it might be important for our listeners to know about? Indeed, you know that's what makes it so interesting that prices have fallen on solar as well as the battery storage side. So battery storage has a variety of use cases like uh, smoothening the variable output of the renewable energy project if you are the owner of the project, allowing deferral of transmission and distribution investments if you are the network owner. Also, reliable battery storage is essential if you are trying to scale up mini-grids, and which is essentially now uh, emerging as a key solution to provide electricity access uh, for people who don't have any access, in, especially in Africa. Yeah, you you mentioned some very important um, issues there. The fact that uh, that building these transmission and distribution systems, you know, that, that's also a, a very big investment. takes a long time, and sometimes it's easier to do to do get your electricity um, some other way. So, could you expand on the significance of battery storage and when is going with renewables with battery storage the right choice? So. You know, the option to invest in battery storage should always be considered 
alongside alternatives like one would do in any sane investment investment you may build uh, infrastructure to connect yourself with the other larger grid or optimize conventional generation storage itself energy storage itself can come in different ways using thermal energy storage or hydropower as we discussed so not just batteries and the final choice may vary by country of course we need to customize everything to to country context but are there chandra what do you think are the are special considerations in developing countries so rumina in many developing countries uh, battery storage with the kind of cost reduction that we are seeing and maybe the most easily deployable a widely available option to increase their power system flexibility building a new transmission capacity could say take a long time like you said accessing flexible generation like hydro or ga- gas might not be possible at the same time you could do this faster with solar and storage well in that case i guess it's important to know what the maximum capacity is today for battery storage how many hours of solar and wind energy can a battery store i'm assuming this capability has been evolving evolving over time that's right uh, the biggest operating battery today is in south australia it's co-located with a wind project and that one is designed for 3 hours but typically you see batteries designed for 1 to 2 hours of operation but you can go up to 4 hours i see so yeah yeah well 4 hours is still not very long right i mean there are many poor countries um actually even in washington i've had an uh, outage of much longer than 4 hours so even in the last year so what happens if you have long outages as we do have in many of our client countries and you need backup power for longer this is an important issue for the storage community and the industry has been making progress on longer duration uh, batteries using materials other than lithium such as vanadium batteries uh, but they may, they are not uh as portable say for example uh, but they are needed such longer duration batteries are needed for developing country applications where we have longer outages there are also other innovative uh, approaches like storing energy in molten salt and converting it back to electricity or even i've heard about a, a option where you can take stones high up 35 stories up and then drop them and then use that energy to produce electricity so th- i guess this is all about transforming one form of energy into another again right it's from the heat energy that's in, goes into kinetic and then uh electricity i see it's all about transformation now if we go back to what you said about vanadium you said it's the vanadium batteries are not always portable um i understood they come in very large vat like uh containers is that right Uh, that's right because uh, there is it is not a solid electrode based battery it you know there are electrolytes so you have vats to hold the electrolytes and it it makes it a little bit more cumbersome compared to the lithium ion which is compact and containerized okay but but really with all these alternatives you see that i can see that this is a really fast moving field so i and i understand that battery storage allows for versatility in our in our 
power systems and how power is stored. But are there other aspects of battery storage that make it a good way to have electricity storage? Yes. One of the key advantages is that this issue of modularity and containerization, which allows for easy transport of these uh, batteries and also scaling up. So they come in containers just like uh, 40 foot or 20 foot containers that we use for moving houses. A typical 40 foot container may have four megawatt hours of battery. So if a project needs 40 megawatt hours, you just need to ship 10 of those containers. Implementation is very quick due to the nature of this uh, containerization of this product. That's very nice. I like the idea of little packets of storage, which, you know, they can differ in energy intensity, they can differ in, uh, in, in duration. And, you know, you can open as many packets as you need. Did I get this right? Sort of like little packets of sugar or spices. More or less, uh, yeah, but there is a limit to the number of batteries that can be connected as the costs are still high and also the technical aspects need to be considered. So it's not cost efficient, that's what you're saying, to go for longer. That's right. Do you need special policies and regulations to oversee the battery storage market? Because every time a new technology comes on uh, the market, there are so many issues that generally need regulation. <laughs> Yeah, and even more so in the case of battery storage, that's because depending on how it is used, battery can be viewed as your generator, it can be your backup, or it can even substitute for your grid infrastructure. Each of these cases may need a suitable framework or a guideline. And for example, if no regulations explicitly state that battery storage can provide grid services, utilities uh, may, may be unwilling to procure services from a battery storage provider or a system. Okay, perhaps you could explain that a bit further. Uh, what do you mean by that? What are some specific issues in this respect that regulators are grappling with? So the most fundamental issue that needs to be addressed today is bringing some sort of cost recovery structures so investors can get paid. This will vary uh, with the purpose and ownership of energy storage assets uh, by generation, transmission, and di or distribution. Like I said, they can be used quite uh, variably as a generator or as a backup or as a grid substitute. These issues are related to asset classification and revenue sharing also that need to be addressed. So I, I understand that regulations are just evolving and they're being developed even in higher income countries, because it's a new, tech, new technology. So how do poorer countries with less capacity to regulate new technologies, how do they manage? For example, we discussed Haiti. How did Haiti manage using and regulating battery storage? So Romain, I would say the easiest way for countries to incorporate battery storage is making it an integral part of your renewable energy project, like a solar project, is defined as a solar plus storage project. Wind project is defined as a wind or wind plus uh, storage project. This is how Haiti managed. Uh, also in India, we have uh, similar regulations that allow solar plus storage to be defined as a hybrid project. Another easy approach is also existing network operators uh, can recoup their costs through investment uh, tariffs. I mean, um, if the regulator allows that. So that's another way to do it. Okay, th that's fantastic. That's good to hear. 
um, which country is actually taking the lead in implementing battery storage and integrating renewables? So among our client countries, uh, South Africa, China, India have big programs for integrating renewables and also programs for battery storage. Of course, there's a lot of interest among a range of our client countries to implement storage. So that would be all over the globe, right? That you've got clients interested in this. Yeah, right. From Bangladesh to Somalia and anywhere in between. And in terms of the main producers of battery storage capacity, are they as widely dispersed? I suspect not. Yes, you got that correct. Uh, the main cell manufacturers are from Japan, you know, companies like Panasonic, Yuasa, and so on, Hitachi, uh, Korea, LG, Samsung are names well known to us, and also China, companies like BYD, CATL, so all of them in East Asia. Yeah, that, that's actually interesting. Now, how about the metals and other resources that constrain battery production? I suspect, suspect these are not also spread across the globe, or are they? Where are they found? You're correct in a way, because lithium is most essential raw material for the battery storage industry today. Then lithium deposits are abundant in Chile, and Chile is the main supplier because they have developed this resource over a period of time. So they are dominant in this area. But there are resources in Australia, US, China, and other places. These are yet to be developed as well. I see. Okay. Now, I'm going to move on a little bit, Chandra, with this uh, next question. So we've talked about electricity provision, and I'm wondering, with battery storage, could renewables provide enough energy for all purposes, for example, heating, cooling, energy for manufacturing? Uh, yes, but first, the existing systems that rely on fossil fuels would need to be replaced. And this takes time. You know, I think it might take several years because there are costs to be borne by consumers because all the infrastructure has to be revamped. And I, I suppose also it will matter how much solar and wind energy there is in each location and how fast battery capacity is increasing. Yeah, and that also, you know, developments in, for example, green hydrogen, which would mean that if a country X in a other part of the world can produce a lot of renewable energy that can be transported to the place that doesn't have renewable energy through green hydrogen uh, you know, tankers, they could also benefit from that. So the, all those developments are in the future. Very good. Are there any important issues I've left out? I think we covered quite a bit of ground, but I think one issue that comes up routinely when I discuss battery storage with clients is the issue of safety, because there have been some fires in some instances involving this lithium-ion batteries. So the standards are evolving on that and operating guidelines are also evolving to address that issue. Also, reuse and recycling comes up quite frequently. Um, and uh, it's important that we discuss this at some point. These are indeed very important and I'm sure quite complex issues again. So thank you, Chandra. Um, I, I think our listeners would love to hear more from you uh, on some of these other topics, but we will leave these for another podcast. Thank you. Thank you, and do take a look at our new report on battery storage. Indeed, I'm sure our listeners will, will run to that report now with this very interesting talk we've just had. Well, listeners, I hope, like me, you have started to become even more intrigued about the possibilities surrounding battery storage. Today, we learned a number of things, and let me point to some. 
Firstly, battery storage adds flexibility to the energy system and stability to energy supplied by wind and solar sources. It can be sold in different container sizes and used in different purposes. Secondly, limited battery storage capacity constrains a faster move towards wind and solar energy generation, something you all might have guessed. There is a limit to how many batteries you can join together without losing too much inefficiency. Thirdly, as battery technology evolves, so must the regulatory framework for investments, for cost recovery, and integration into current energy systems. I think that was a lot for anyone. It was certainly a lot for me. Till next time, bye for now. You can find more information about the podcast on worldbank.org forward slash tell me how. If you've got questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on all popular podcasting platforms. This episode was recorded in April 2021. Don't forget to subscribe and thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.